Hey, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And thank you for joining us today. We have an awesome guest. We can't wait to introduce him. But in the meantime, I think we'll do what we normally do, right, Renee? We're going to do a little bit of announcements and we're yeah. going to read a five-star review here we got from someone. Her name is Kathy Ray. And it's a five-star review. It says, good podcast is the title. It says, great info, and the hosts stay right in tune. Not too much japper about other stuff, so I like that. And we appreciate that, Kathy. Anytime, nice. anytime we get a five-star review, let me tell you, it really helps us to move forward. It does. And it helps us to keep going. And those of you that um, our main case that we cover is the Missy Beaver case. Of course, we do all kinds of other cases. But for Missy Beavers, it's kind of hard to stay motivated. We haven't heard from the yeah. police in so long. There's been no new information, not even a little nugget. So we're out there digging all the time. And that really helps us to try to keep going and to not get discouraged. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And if you just started listening please uh you know and you love our podcast please give us a review because like she just said it helps us a lot to stay motivated and keep moving forward so it really does do that for us today and we'd also love to hear from you if you have any questions about any of our episodes you can reach us on instagram you could dm us there or we're on facebook true crime broads under both and then also um we have a facebook group that renee started that's actually just taken off like wildfire it's called True Crime Broads, Missy Beaver's Discussion. Thank you. And it is huge. I think we have like 7,300 members 74. It just moved to 74 gosh. How do we manage that? I know. And (laughs) I I had it set to where it would do a post uh, to introduce the new people. Uh, You know, hey, everybody. Just so people knew that the group was growing and keep it kind of going. And then it got so big that I had to because it was doing it all the time because it was doing like I don't know 25 people so I had to change it to like 50 Mm -hmm. and then I had to change it to 100 and I finally did it to 250 people so those posts that are made that the list just goes on and on but we're so glad everybody's uh, coming in and talking about it and you know helping us think of all it's hard to manage 7400 people but but most of them aren't in their posting so that helps but it's it's wild y'all it is wild it really so anyway um yeah so renee you got a couple of announcements before we get started here um okay so we we always have a uh i've been doing this since last september i think it was i never forgot when i started it but anyway this is the in-person meeting and we are having the next one at what do you discuss at these meetings we just discuss the case and talk about which one different missy beavers the, nice. the different uh you know theories and ways that we can keep this case alive things that we can talk about and how they can help us uh, and I say us as in me and you and the community, everybody to keep this case alive, things that we can do, things like that. Um, so the next one is going to be on February the 8th. We've been having them at the Waxahachie um parks and recreation building they well there's like a meeting room and it's really nice because it's very large it's got lots of tables and chairs so it's just perfect there's not a fee for it so i don't have to worry that's about cool. that so that's yeah. really great for our ellis county listeners or people that are in the metroplex that don't mind making the trip out to meet with you that's we've awesome. had a lot of people come from far away that's nice yeah fort worth dallas uh remember you had a guy come abilene? from abilene yes, that was yes. crazy Six thirty is what time we start them and then um you know we don't really have a time frame but it usually goes to 
an hour or two, but you're welcome to come and go as you please. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you for being our social director here yeah. at True Crime Rise. <laughs> also, hey, there's something else that we're doing um, that Renee set this up too, is a candlelight vigil for Missy. And what's cool about it, there's a way you can participate online. So this will not exclude people who aren't in DFW. Explain that, Renee. So basically what I'm going to do with that, what that is, is I'm going to have somebody video, video it, um, a videographer there, and then I'm going to have a speaker. Um, and then, of course, we're going to do the candles. Um, and I am looking for somebody to do that. Somebody has mentioned that they might be able to do it, but I'm looking for two people, one person to video it and one person to do like a Facebook Live so people can see. And you were saying they can that, light a candle from wherever they yes, are and participate. Yes, yeah, I yes. remember seeing your post about that. Yeah, and I think that'll be great. Not only that, I also would like for people, if you're listening to this, to, to go on to our True Crime Broads page. Because uh, you can't share anything from a group. Go to the page, and then you can find the events, find the event for the candlelight uh, vigil, and then share that or invite people to it. So pe- local people, of course, uh, or I guess you could invite anybody because they could they could also watch the yeah. Facebook Live that we're okay. So that will help a lot if we do that. That's awesome. I love that it's able, we're able to include people nationwide who yeah. want to participate. So anyway, thanks again for listening to us here at True Crime Broads. We have coming up on the show, we have a gentleman named. Tom Smith. He is a retired NYPD detective. He was with NYPD for 30 years. And he has his own podcast that he does with Dan Murphy. And it's called Gold Shields. You are not going to want to miss that show. It is so good. And um, we were really looking forward to having Tom on for a long time now. And he the day came. So I'm so excited. So here we are. Without further ado, we will have Tom Smith. Thank you so much for listening to True Crime Broads. We would also love to see you on our social media. We have an Instagram page called True Crime Broads. We also have a Facebook page called True Crime Broads. And then we also have a group which is called True Crime Broads, Missy Beaver's Case Discussion Group. And if you can, please uh, leave us a five-star review. We are needing some new ones. Yes, you can leave five stars on Spotify if you think we deserve it. And also on Apple, you can also leave five stars and leave a written review if you'd like to. So thanks again for listening to True Crime Broads. Welcome back to True Crime Broads. Renee and I are so excited about today's guest. If you're not already listening to the Gold Shields podcast, you really need to be. And today we have Tom Smith with us. He does the show with Dan Murphy. And Tom, thank you for joining us on True Crime Broads. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Awesome. All right. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I was a NYPD detective for 30 years, and that boggles a lot of people's minds. That I lasted 30 years down there. Uh, But you know what? I I loved it that much, and that's why I stayed there uh, for that long. And I kind of ran the gamut with with everything you could do in the NYPD in 1990 on patrol and in uniform. But I was actually only in uniform for a couple of years before I got asked to join the uh, anti-crime unit in the precinct, which was a plain clothes unit, which dealt with all the robbery patterns and 
gun calls and and in progress calls and all that. So that that was a nice jump that I made. And then went to narcotics uh, in the Bronx and then uh, to the Bronx gang unit, which is actually where I met Danny, uh, my co-host. He was my sergeant there. And that's where our relationship started back then. Uh, and then went to uh, a couple of different uh, uh, detective squads in a 4-1 and a 5-2. And then 9-11 happened. Man. And then after 9-11, got asked to uh, join the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, which is where I stayed for the last 17 years of my career. Very nice. That's awesome. <clears throat> and so... Um, I'm assuming you saw more than your fair share of murder cases before they put you in the terrorism, right? Yes. Uh, in the, in the city, that's, that was the number one thing, unfortunately at that time, you know, so when we were in a detective squad, even when I was in the robbery squad, if there was a homicide that happened and, and our squad was taking care of it, we assisted all the time. So we were involved with a lot of, uh, homicide investigations and helping, you know, Bronx homicide out and our own squad out when when that occurred. Did y'all ever request help from anyone else? It's hard to think that because y'all are always getting requested to help. But is it ever a time that y'all ever requested outside assistance for anything y'all had going on? No, that figure. was a no no. Yeah, I figured. I figured not. I was just curious how that worked. Well, you know, you know, our, no. you know, the main case we cover is the Missy Beavers case, and I remember, I, you know, we've been following it, watching it like a hawk, and I remember pretty early on they had to do a cell tower dump to try to, you know, see if the perp had their phone pinging in the area, and I remember the media saying that NYPD came and assisted with that. I don't. How does that work? Because we just read it in an article in NP uh, Midlothian Police has not publicized that or discussed it how does that work we're down here in midlothian texas outside of dallas how does nypd help with something like that well fortunately the nypd is the nypd and and the most you know uh technology cutting out uh, information out there they have i mean they are so up to date with the technology today and what can be done light years ahead of what I had to have, you know, when, when I was a detective, uh, years ago, you know, we relied on a lot of just footwork and, you know, uh, the telephone companies helping us out, but now they have absolutely the cutting edge technology of anyone in the country. And everyone knows that. And again, it's the NYPD. So if right. something big is going on, and there's assistance needed, they just ask, you know, and we, you know, I, I keep saying, wait, I'm still, you know, I'm retired. <laughs> right. <years. laughs> we get it. Uh, you know, we, we drop everything to help out. You know, if something has to be done throughout the country, anywhere it might be, everything gets dropped and all that goes into that That's assistance. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now I have a question. Did, would they help remotely? Did people from NYPD, do you think they flew in? How, how do they assist from afar like that? Well, depending on, depending on the situation, you know, if there's, if there's a need for someone to be at the scene on the ground, all the technology would just be brought out there. And today it's so incredible. I mean, you could have all that technology on a laptop, you know, and go out there and have the different applications that they need to assist in just a few pieces of equipment. So if they need someone there, they gladly will will jump on a plane and go assist as long as that's needed. 
if it's something that can be done remotely, then they'll they'll take care of that. Whatever, usually whatever is the best option that is going to produce the best results, that's what's going to get done. Okay, awesome. I was just curious about that. I was trying to picture it in my mind. Was it, Were there MPD guys here in Midlothian or were they doing this sort of the technology remotely? My understanding, it was the cell tower, the cell tower dump is what they got help with. I don't know if there was more to that story than what the media mentioned, but that was the only thing I think they mentioned, right, Renee? That's what I remember, yeah. yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's interesting. Well, thanks for answering that. We've always wondered that over the years because Missy <laughs> Beaver's, goodness, it's still an unsolved case. And the anniversary, the eight-year anniversary is coming up in April. That's just so hard to believe um, wow. that just times, you know, keeps marching forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you were, you were able to watch the surveillance footage of the perpetrator walking around the church, right? Yeah. It's okay. scary. It's actually, it's really spooky. It is. Tell us what you think about that. You know, there, unfortunately, the most obvious things in the world people overlook and and that is something that goes on every day when you when you have someone around dressed like that people are just going to kind of drive by look and, and keep going it's not you know there's a difference between that and you know wearing dark clothes walking in and out of places that's going to raise people's attention when a criminal has the confidence, which is bad, but but criminals do when they have the confidence to think they can get away with something that is right out there and just blatantly walk around. Now, you have to take that video and back it up a little bit. You know, he came from somewhere. So he got out of the car, a car possibly walked around. No one noticed him mm-hmm. able to walk in and just do whatever he wanted to do wearing that uniform. And that's a scary thing. Uh, but when when criminals have confidence and don't think anyone's going to be alerted to them or attracted to them, that makes them more dangerous. Mm, yeah. And, you know, it's so different than what you probably see in, in, in New York. It, it It's not really a desolate area, but it is an area that's much more spread out. There's only a few businesses around and and the ones that are around, they're quite, you know, a distance apart. And there's only a few houses and they're kind of way off of the road. So it's not uncommon that people wouldn't see anything and also helps that it was like 3 45 in the morning raining and it was pouring down rain and it was you know a little bit out in the country so strange yeah just super bizarre case and you know we just can't get enough of talking about it and we're we're kind of in shock that it hasn't been solved yet after eight years because when we first saw it we thought well they've got this perpetrator dancing around on camera for half an hour surely you know someone's going to identify them but here we are eight, almost eight years yeah. later. Pretty weird. Yeah. You know what? It, it, a lot has to do with the perpetrator himself. You know, he may very well be in jail, you know, locked up on some unrelated crime. And that's why, you know, you can't really locate him or find him. Uh, he probably didn't have a electrical or technology footprint, you know, a cell phone or whatever. So that makes it harder. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into unsolved uh murders and homicides unfortunately but you know uh he may not have been from the area and just went back to his normal whatever he was doing you know you hope you don't hope but yeah you hope that something else happens involving that person and one thing leads to another you know once you get your hands on on his footprint of where he's been and and so forth and and that's kind of how things you know come to a conclusion Unless he talks, 
you know, which perps do, you know, don't, you know, definitely talk to one another or slip up and make a mistake when they're, when they're trying to make themselves bigger than they actually are. And that leads to them getting caught up also. I have a question for you. Um, it, it's been thought that it was possible that the reason that this person hasn't been caught at this time is because they probably had a burner phone. And I know they did the tower dump, of course, using NYPD, and then they did other different types of uh, searches and things like that. Um, and uh, nothing, it may be something come of it. Obviously, we're not going to know that. But I'm just curious if NYPD was to uh, think that there was someone that had a, a burner phone, what would be a step they would take to, cont- to pursue that further to dig into it and hopefully figure out who they are? Yeah, burner phones are, are are tough because especially if someone is really educated in how to use them. And what I mean by that is switching SIM cards, dumping them as soon as you're done with them, using a false identification to purchase it. You know, if, you, if someone does ask for an ID, uh, there are certain numbers that are attached to communications if that's found through, you know, the the PD tech unit, you know, with, with zeroing in on that, that can lead to something. But if you have someone who's really good at, at that uh, technology and dumping burner phones, it can be very difficult. If someone's really up on the technology of of just buying a phone somewhere and dumping it. That makes sense. The, yeah. pers- the person of interest that Renee and I sort of lean toward it being that we've heard the most information on um it's actually a woman believe it or not and she her dad was career law enforcement and she was married to a cop and her best friend's husband's a cop so you know it's possible she would have that level of sophistication and foresight to be able to use a phone that can't be traced back to her and you know there were some linkedin messages ironically that's where tom and i met there were some linkedin messages sent to the victim a few days before her murder and it's thought to be connected to the murder not proven of course but that account that was set up in under LinkedIn, a fake account, you know, to harass Missy a little bit, was um, never able to be traced by police. And would it make sense if the perpetrator used a burner phone to set up that LinkedIn account? Would that help it not be able to be traced, those messages? Well, again, you know, it, it depends on the person. You know, if they're a tech-savvy person and can get software that bounces IP addresses into different locations, that's a thing. I mean, that can that can certainly be done uh, remotely, and that becomes a major headache because then it's very difficult to zero in on on a location using an IP address, and that's what you would need to set up an account on a site like LinkedIn. So if someone's educated enough to pull that off, it becomes very difficult. Uh, just going back to the video and, and just investigative stuff, I'm wondering if, if you guys know. See, the first thing, me, if it was my case, and I saw that video that you that I watched that you sent me, I would fully zero in on the uniform they were wearing and try to zoom in and get every piece of information on every piece of clothing that person was wearing. Because in that area or maybe in the remote, you know, outskirts, there's probably only a handful of places that sell those items. And a lot of times when you sell those items, you need some sort of ID to buy them. 
Yeah, you can get stuff on Amazon, you know, all that, but there might be zeroing in and zooming in on some particular aspect of the equipment and uniform they were wearing. That's probably the first thing I would do. Is there some kind of technology that you're aware of with impact NYPD that, that is able to uh, enhance the, the surveillance footage that you see that you could, would allow you to be able to determine that type of thing? Cause what we oh, see sure. is very pixelated I mean, the technology with, especially with videos, you know, the technology out there today is incredible that you can zoom in on any part, enhance it, uh, cut the background light out, change the background lighting. You could do a number of things, uh, you know, that that videos uh, enable you to do when when doing an investigation. We definitely need them. <laughs> yeah, apparently yeah. the Tarrant County DA's office had a new state of the art. Um, studio open that does this type of thing um, right before the murder happens. So our understanding is the video did get sent there and it was analyzed, but of course they're not releasing that information and we've done public record searches, but I think that one's sealed apparently because we haven't been able to get our hands on that yet. Anyway, um, the results of that, and I'm sure they don't want that out and we respect that. Of course. Um, what about things being kept secret, Tom? Um, what are so, cause you know, they, they've obviously, they've sealed the autopsy report, which that makes sense, right? Because there may be things, wh- why would you do that? Is it because there's things that only the killer would know, maybe? Absolutely. Uh, you know, there, there's one thing that people take for granted sometimes criminals aren't stupid. You know, they're very up on watching the media, especially after committing a crime. They'll be all over the media waiting or seeing if if something gets leaked or something gets talked about that is going to lead them to think, all right, they're not on me or they know a little bit more about me and something like that. So there's the confidentiality of a investigation is really, really important. Uh, And it's not meant to, you know, diss anyone or, or not involve anyone, but it's it's important that the detectives and investigators have the first shot, you know, with that information and not get it leaked. Uh, you know, we would do that ourselves, you know, when I was involved in cases, especially, you know, later on with, with the terrorism angle, it was very important to keep all that very quiet because there are things that detectives and investigators are going to know that no one else is going to know. Uh, and that can always lead, you know, later on to apprehending someone. And if it gets out, that becomes a problem. Yeah, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for going over that with us. Because I think a lot of people here locally get so frustrated because the police have been completely silent. They haven't even said hello on this case since 2021. And the community, obviously, it's a tight knit, small community, Midlothian, Texas. And we had this mom walk into a church early in the morning to teach um, an exercise class. And before her students arrive, this person's lurking around waiting for her, jumps out and kills her. I mean, that's right out of a horror movie, you know? And so the people of Midlothian, we, we hear from people, they'll say, hey, we don't, there's women that tell us we don't take our trash out at night anymore. We wait till the morning, you know? So, you know, people get frustrated that police aren't updating. Obviously we know they can't give details. They can't say, Hey, here's what we're doing. But, you know, I think people want to hear, Hey, listen, we have our eyes on someone. We can't release anything at this time. They haven't even done that. So I just, what is the significance of that? I mean, I know you can't get into Midlothian police's heads, but what are kind of your thoughts on going kind of radio silent for years? 
You know what? It depends. And, and this is, and I'm going to be truthful. It depends where they're at. You know, they may, they may have someone in mind that they're trying to do more with, you know, and again, I'm not getting their heads. I'm just guessing. Right. But as an investigation goes, you hope there's a break. And when there's a break, you are, you want to hold on to that really tight, you know, so because of them being so silent, they may be on somebody, you know, and, and have a line into someone through a number of means, but it, the more silent that, that a, a de- department is, I would think the more along in the investigation they are. And it's a state of paranoia to a point because you want to get it done. Mm-hmm. You want to be successful. And the last thing you want is a leak that maybe throws it off track because then it becomes a disaster. So the 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 silence of it might be a good thing. You know, they might be on to something that they really don't want out there. That's awesome. I hope that's the case. I Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, because I know they only have one shot, right? You can't mess it up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and that's and that goes back to, you know, the paranoia part. You know, if, if you have one shot at someone, you want everything to be integrity, sound and quiet and the detectives able to do what they need to do uh, and nothing get in the way of that. Yeah. Do you, uh, during your murder investigations, was there, did you kind of reach a point where you were like, okay, it's time to go. And what is the next step when you feel like you have enough evidence, you go to the DA? Well, the DA, like in, in the city, we have in the NYPD, we have a homicide bureau within, the, within the DA's office. So as soon as there's a homicide is the DA assigned to it. So you are in constant contact with the homicide DA who has your case because of, you know, the necessity of a quick subpoena or any paperwork that's needed. You need someone at the other end of the phone right away to be involved in in something that you may not not have, have enough time, you know, to go through the process of talking to a DA. Someone is always attached to that case uh, because, you know, the city's, you know, New York is New York. So you right. need, you need someone real quick when you need a subpoena or search warrant or something like that, especially in a homicide. Mm, that makes total sense. Yeah. It's a little bit different here. We were, it was explained to us that, uh, Midlothian police works independently and then there's the DA's office doesn't get it until there's the big pile of evidence for them to sift through. So I don't know if that's true, but we've heard that from several reliable pieces per people. Actually, we heard it from someone from the DA's office, didn't we? Right. So yeah, that that must be reliable. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. And obviously Midlothian, Texas and in New York uh, city, not even close comparison. (laughs) Yep. You you know, it, it becomes, you know, when you have that outlet and you have that resource, it's, it's a big deal because, when a case starts to get to the point like you had mentioned you know when do you when is it done it gets to that point real quick you know a lot of times it's one thing leads to another leads to another and all of that can be in a half hour oh wow and you need someone right at the other end to, to call hey we got this guy i need this and someone who's already briefed on the case knows the case. There's no explanation needed nice. about the circumstances that's going on. That DA is up to speed on it. So when you make that call, 
hey, we got them. We need a warrant now. You're going to have it. Perfect. That's yeah, awesome. that is amazing. Yeah. So um, give us an example of something that, okay, so we know that the person, nobody's came forward and said they did it. Uh, nobody has come forward and said, I know the person that did it. They told me. Um, what What are some examples of something that can be found when it seems like there's nothing? That's a great question. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with, with little sometimes integral pieces of the case uh you know they could go into the background of the victim and go back as far as possible with getting a a understanding of the victim's background what gym did they go to you know what store do they go to what's the time frames they go to? and try to get a pattern of life down to of the victim to try to narrow down okay she goes to this place you know some victims go to the same gym at the same time during the week that could be a thing so then you start maybe keying on certain locations about the victim and work the victim angle not so much the bad guy angle and that may lead you to the bad guy uh there's only so much you can do with an unknown subject you know you can look at who was arrested during that time, the MO of the homicide, how many other perpetrators are out there in the general vicinity who had a similar MO with other homicides, you know, that were either not solved or someone got off. You know, there's a number of things depending on each investigation, but looking at this one, you know, if you run into a roadblock, you, you know, that's the, that's the key to being, you know, a, a successful detective. You need an imagination. You need that ability to just think of off the wall stuff that can lead to a positive outcome. And, you know, there's some ideas out there that, you know, that I was involved in, you shake your head for a minute, like, all right, that's crazy. But you start doing it and it may lead to something. That's so true. you have to use your imagination in these cases sometimes. Yeah. Uh, speaking of off the wall things, I have a, an interesting thing to run past you. So I was looking up different things on Google Earth and it popped in my head that, you know, when you go look at Google Earth, like if you look at your address, I've lived mm -hmm. at my house because we recently moved uh, like almost two years. But if you look at it, there's a vehicle in the driveway that's or whatever that's not ours. So obviously that Google Earth was done, you know, let's say perhaps 2022, okay? Um, so it made me start thinking, what if a picture was captured during the time of the murder that might capture a vehicle that might be helpful or something like that? Is that something that police use? Because it does say when you look it up, when you Google Google Earth, <laughs> that it that that it does have the ability to go backwards and it's like a memory of uh, a capture, I guess, like a picture of those uh, different, am I, am I making sense? Of those yeah, different no, things? absolutely. And, and that's part of the imagination part. You know, you have to start thinking outside the box, especially when you run into a brick wall, you know, you need to start thinking of things like that. Uh, you know, the other thing, you know, thinking outside the box, like I mentioned before about police equipment stores, go back and see if, you know, the videos during that time frame of who might have bought something, you know, go on Amazon and try to get Amazon to provide 
information on police equipment that was bought and sent to a certain area. You know, those are the things that, again, just thinking of of what I would do, those are two things I would specifically do. Uh, because police equipment is not like going to buy bread. You know, right. you have to do some research and what you're looking for and who provides it and where you can get it without providing any police ID. And there's not many of that. So, you know, that's where, like I said before about the uniform, that's what I would be keen on. And also there was a HLN did a special in the Missy Beavers case and there was a guy on there named John Bueller. I think he's on a lot of shows. He's like one of he's an ex police officer that kind of does, you know, like a commentator. And he said it looked to him like the police gear was vintage police gear. So I thought that was interesting. Not sure if he's right or not, but that was something right. interesting. Maybe this person grabbed it out of the closet of one of her relatives that used to wear it, you know, on the job. So who knows? It's just wild sure. to think of. It's just wild to think that somebody would dress up like that. That wouldn't, if I needed to sneak in somewhere and not be detected, my first thought wouldn't be, oh, I need to get some police riot gear. <laughs> that wouldn't be my first thought, you know? And so that's just really interesting. It makes you wonder what put that in their head, you know? Um, right. So, it's you know, and, and it's not your normal, like you said, it's not a normal just uniform, it's a tactical uniform. So, and especially the helmet, you know, those aren't sold at Walmart. You know, you, you have to do some digging into finding the right one that you want to wear as a bad guy. Uh, And, and, you know, I, I hate keep going back to that, but it's just something, you know, I thought about immediately when watching that video of the uniform. I, I'm so glad you brought up the helmet because so many people have told us that say that they recognize that helmet. People have told us it's a paintball helmet. People have told us, oh, yeah, that's an old tactical helmet. When you look at the video, I know it's kind of grainy, but what what are you seeing? Does that helmet look like it could be a legitimate tactical helmet? You know what? It's hard. It's hard to see uh, in the video because of just where they're walking. Right. Uh I'm actually, you know, I'm going to look at it right now while I'm on the phone with yeah, you, no, please. <laughs> Mom with you yeah. just to see it again and, and just talk about it even more. Uh, you know, just looking at it. One of these days we'll be high tech enough to have it running. Yes, yes. On the screen. That <laughs> we need, you we know, need it's, that. it could be God, you know, it's, it's, it could be anything, but. The person and the other thing, you know, that that got my eye was he seems to be he or she shouldn't say just say he seems to be comfortable being there, you know, like they know the layout, mm-hmm. you know, he knew, you know, when you have a split door, that person knew that was a split door. <laughs> that wasn't a surprise. You know, they they were, you know, they opened it. OK, open the other part. And then just casually walk down the hall. Uh, when you have someone that's not in a location and, and unknown to them, they act a little different. That person seemed to be very comfortable with where they were. Interesting. We've also heard reports, if if it is this person of interest, we're not saying it is, but we've heard reports that this person does a lot of crystal meth, um, cocaine. Would that help explain why maybe this person is so wide awake at 4 a.m.? Or, oh sure yeah oh yeah uh you know that could be a number of things but that that would certainly add to it 
Because every sure. time I've watched the video, or especially early on, I was thinking, gosh, it was raining four in the morning. I mean, most people are in bed, you know? Yeah. And you got the other the other thing you gotta you gotta think of, if this person had planned this and they are off center, which obviously they are, uh you're hyped up. If you have the plan of, okay, on this day, I'm I'm doing this. Yeah. You're gonna be so hyped up, you're not gonna sleep, you're not gonna eat. These people get into this kind of zone of uh, you know, being up no matter what time it is and hyped up for what they're going to do. So if there, if it was planned and obviously it was with, with, you know, you're getting your uniform on, you're putting it on, you're getting to that location. So they were thinking about this for a while. This was not a snap judgment. I'm doing this right now. This was planned out. Just based on what you've seen so far, Tom, do you think that it's possible Missy walked in on something and she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or do you feel like that perpetrator was waiting for her to come into the church? That's that's hard to say uh, uh, without. That's hard to say, you know, uh, uh, it could be it could have been something else that it could have been something completely different that, that might've been going on that night, you know, with that person involved and she surprised them and, and, you know, the events took place or it could have been, you know, stalking, knowing, you know, time frames, And that's when I go back to the pattern of life of the victim. Was there a particular spot that, you know, he could have known her pattern which would have led to to the, that explanation. She did post where her classes were going to be and what times they were publicly. So that was you, me, without any equipment. We could have just gotten on Facebook and seen that. Um, she would post right. it on her personal Facebook. She would post it on the Camp Gladiator workout Facebook. So that was very public knowledge. So yeah, finding out where she was going to be and when, and probably knowing she'd be alone, you know, right. an hour before the class, you know, if it is planned, which Renee and I lean toward it being planned, um, it would be pretty easy to know where she was. Right. Yeah. That's why, you know, I see, you know, I'm on Facebook with, with the show and, you know, you see posts of people like, you know, I'm going on vacation, yeah. you know, or I'm at the store and I just shake my head like, what are you doing? Right. You know. Why are you telling people you're not home? Yeah, my house is ready to be broken into. Yeah. Feel free to stop by while I'm out of town and get what you want. I got a big TV and (laughs) yeah, my jewelry box is in the top drawer. Go for it. Yeah, I know. I think the same thing when I see people saying, hey, we're at DFW Airport. We're getting ready to go to the Bahamas. It's like, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) You post those pictures when you get back, not when you're leaving. Right. You know, they do videos of them walking through the airport to get on their plane. Like, you know, uh, yeah, boggles my mind. You know, like I go, I went back before. Criminals aren't stupid. Yeah. You know, they're bad, but a lot of them aren't stupid. Well, and nowadays, a quick Google search, we could probably find all of our addresses in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, that's easy. Yeah. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yes, very much so. Look at the county tax records. I mean, there's so many ways. Right. Um, So, do you still live in New York City, Tom? I live outside of New York City. I live about an hour uh, north of the city. And that's where I've always been. I grew up in the city and was born down there. Uh, but then once my dad retired, uh, we moved up, 
about an hour outside the city. I heard you talk a little bit about this on your podcast, but tell us about your family background. You uh, are not the first NYPD cop in your family. No, uh, my dad was a uh, NYPD detective for 26 years nice. through the 50s, 60s and 70s. Uh, you know, the tough time, real tough times in New York City. And I grew up in that world. I grew up wanting to be my dad. Uh, he used to come home from work and I'd grab his shield and put it on my belt and run around and chase my sisters. <laughs> uh, that's great. That's so cute. And that's just that's all that was the only thing I wanted to do. Uh, you know, be I actually got his shield number when I got when I got promoted, Aww, which was the best awesome. thing in the world. Yeah, I can imagine uh, that's great. Yeah, so that was great, and you know, I'm like I've said before, you know, I'm very lucky. Not a lot of people get to live out their dream of what they want to grow up to be. Right, and yes. uh, and I got to, you know, so I'm very fortunate in in the career that I had and following in his footsteps. And I know he's on my shoulder all the time. He passed away a few years ago. I'm sorry. Uh, so he's always he's always with me, telling me in my ear what to do. So. <laughs> That's so cool. We do hear those voices often, don't we? That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah. That is great. What a great story. Hey, I, I listened to your JFK episode, by the way, and what an amazing show, you guys. I mean, go back and listen to all of Gold Shield, but uh, that one really intrigued me because I thought, hey, this will be good for my drive. And I was listening to it and I was so excited because you guys are great, you and Dan. And then you had the Secret Service guy on. And then I almost wrecked my car when Cheryl McCollum <laughs> popped on. I was like, what? I didn't even know she was on it when I picked that That's episode. Great. We're big Cheryl McCollum fans over here at True Crime Broad. She's been on our show several times. We've been on hers and I know you've been on hers. So um, anyway, well, so tell us how you got your podcast started. And when did that happen? Well, we started uh, last last December. We started thinking about it because we have another project that Dan and I are involved in in another company. So we actually thought, how do we what's a good way to get the word out with the other uh, thing that we're doing with our lives? Like we have enough time to do that. But we thought about it and I said to Dan, what about a podcast? And he was like, wow. Okay, that's a good idea. What what are we doing? <laughs> you know, it's great to come up with the idea. Now you have to do everything about what you want to do. We get and, that completely. <laughs> yep. And uh, you know, we we focused on bringing not not us. The show is not going to be about Dan and I. And we made that very clear and that was a big point of, of the show. We wanted to highlight the great work that's out there that no one knows about. And the amount of heroes and law enforcement, the military and authors and all this doing these true crime and highlighted events that went on in these people's lives. And the one main thing we wanted to do was have them tell their own story, not Dan and I talking about someone else's event or, or story to actually get the people themselves to tell their own story and to give what we say, like a backstage pass to these things that happened to them and these uh, traumatic events. And some of the stories, Dan and I become fans after a while, you know, and, and we sit there and obviously we know about what we're going to talk about and why the person's on our show. But then a lot of times they come up with things that we didn't know, didn't hear about. And there's times that we look at each other on the screen. We're like, oh, crap, what do we say? <laughs> you know, like who's coming up with a question? Go ahead, Dan. And <laughs> and that's the great part about the show. And, you know, we, we goof around a lot, but we're serious. We had seven shows lined up in the beginning 
and had no idea what we were going to do after the seventh show. Uh, <laughs> we get that. You know, yep. And then, you know, it just kept going and kept going. And we kept getting these unbelievable guests that we are so honored every week to have on. And, and one gets better after another. And, you know, it, it just became, and then they became part of our family. And we have a very, very strong bond with with everyone who's on our show. We stay in touch with them. We talk to them all the time. I mean, Cheryl, you know, you just mentioned her. I'm on the phone with her once a week awesome. about just things that we're doing and going on. And, uh, you know, it's just been a great ride. And we're fortunate to get a message out there and have a platform to highlight these people who are doing a thankless job out there every single day and putting their lives on the line. And it's even better when, when there's stories that no one knows about uh, and we can get them out there. Yeah, your your, your shows are amazing. I also wanted to mention to our listeners that the most recent show you did, which I loved as well, was you had Aphrodite Jones on. She's been yeah. a big name in true crime for, gosh, as long as I can almost remember. That's she's the one amazing. I listened to, yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. That was a great. She show. was great. Uh, and Cheryl actually hooked that up. Now that we're talking about Cheryl, oh. uh, you know, got us in touch with Aphrodite. And she was so great and and so willing to to do the show and, you know, actually knew about us, which was even better. You know, she had listened to a few shows and, and knew about Dan and I. So when we got in touch with her, you know, her reaction was was great. And we just had a great time with her with with that case. Uh the Peterson case and the owl theory and, and all that craziness. That, uh, that was like, a, that but, show was like a greatest hits of all the crime, you know, true crime, yep. big true crime stories over yeah. the last decade or two. Yep. Yep. She was great. That was, a, that was a fun one. And you mentioned the JFK show. Uh, I've been so into that, you know, the JFK assassination since I was a little kid. I mean, it was something I always was just, mystified about and and interested in it and then we had the opportunity to you know to have this platform to do a show on it and uh we got it done for the release on november 22nd you know which on was the anniversary which was, yep yeah no, uh, having cheryl and steve on and steve's perspective of the secret surface angle of it was just it was exactly the way we wanted it to end up which is uh which doesn't happen all the time, but that one did. Uh, it was phenomenal. It was a great episode. Everybody go listen to that on <laughs> Gold. And you can get Gold Shield on any anywhere you can get podcasts, right? You're on Spotify, yeah. Apple, all of them. Have all of them. Have uh, we're on we're on some that we didn't know we were on, which is <laughs> we start doing yeah. searches of the show and these platforms come up with like, oh, we're on that. OK, great. No, I've, yeah. literally, I've literally called Renee and gone, hey, did you know that we're on such and yeah. such? Yeah. <laughs> we're like, what is that? Um, have oh, I've done that to Danny. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have y'all ever thought about coming to Dallas to to experience where it happened at? Oh, I was there. Uh, I when I was in JTTF, I had to go to Dallas a couple of times. And the first time I went there. I stayed, the hotel I was staying, I was right near Daly Plaza. So I finished up, you know, we finished up what I had to do for the day, ran back to my room, changed real quick and was able to walk to Daly Plaza. And that was one of the best experiences I ever had to actually stand there mm -hmm. and see where this happened and different angles. I mean, I walked around there for over an hour, yeah. you know, of standing in different locations and 
getting different perspectives of that area. And the one thing that surprised me the most about it is how small it is. Yeah, it that is. blew my mind. Yeah. I went there, I don't know how many years ago it was, but I was the same way. I The ex on the road and and then the building uh, where he was, uh, where the shot supposedly came from. And I mean, I was just mesmerized. I just kept going back and looking at it. And, you know, it was. It I was remember cool. as a teenager, finally looking into that case and getting familiar with it. And I grew up in you know, south of Dallas. So when we got our driver's licenses, the first thing we did was go hang out downtown, you know, and it was so weird to me. I didn't make the connection that that's where it had happened, where we go under that bridge. Right. Driven by it tons of times yeah, before I looked into knew. the case. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was just right there. Yeah. And like you yeah. said, small area. It's 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 not what you think it's going to be. Yeah. No, yeah, it does seem like a all. bigger area the way you see the pictures and everything. It does seem like a bigger the grassy yeah, knoll and I everything. It. it seems more spread out. Right. Yeah, yep. it's amazing. Yep. Well, Tom, thank you so much for being on True Crime Broads. We loved having you and we hope to get to talk to you again in the future. We'll look for you at CrimeCon. You're going, right? I heard you say that on your show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We can't wait. Uh, we went you. last year down to Florida and uh, didn't know what to expect when we got down there. And what we experienced down there was so great with people who knew the show and wanted to know about it and made so many more connections down there. Uh, we can't wait for this year in Nashville. We're actually getting some stuff together uh, right now to to get ready for that. And it's going to be a great time. All right. Well, we awesome. can't wait. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody listening. Please go check out Gold Shields podcast. And Tom, thanks again. Thank Talk you. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I had a great time. Hey, thanks for listening to True Crime Broads. You know, it's important to Renee and me that if you've got a tip that you please turn it in so that people can act on it. A lot of people are uh, hesitant because they are afraid uh, they want to remain anonymous. They don't know about the anonymity that they can have with Crime Stoppers of Ellis County. Um, it, but you can absolutely do that. There is a P3 app and it's just like I said, P like in Paul, three uh, app and you just download it and then you select your location and then you go through there and turn in your tip they have absolutely no way to know who you are we've tested this and seen it ourselves i've seen the you know all of it and uh they, they just have no way of knowing who you are so if you end up getting a reward it's done secretly through a bank account and a, a secret number that they will send you if something was to happen so please download the app or call it call crime stoppers of uh, Ellis County. Sorry, I got tongue tied there. Uh, at 972-937-7297 if you have a tip. Um, also, you can contact Mid Midlothian Police Department and that number is 972-775-3333. We also want to add if you would prefer that we connect you directly to the investigators working the case, whether it be their direct line, their cell phone number, or their email address, then you can just send us a DM we're at True Crime Broads on Twitter. I'm sorry, on X. Sorry, Elon. X. <laughs> and then on social media platforms of Instagram, we're True Crime Broads. And then on Facebook, we're True Crime Broads. Send us a direct message if you want us to kind of do the soft introduction. That way you're not just coming in all the blue. We have done that for several people and we would love to do that for you. If you have any information, please don't hesitate to contact us. We never share anything that people share with us. Uh, we never share with them, you no. know, anybody. No. So we secret is safe with us. No, we won't. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening to Two Crime Broads. Hey, y'all. As you know, my co-host Renee has a company called Southern Comfort and More. 
And I'm actually currently having a sheets party for her. She sells sheets and the most amazing, big, cozy, thick, soft blankets you've ever seen in your life. And if you need anything like that, please order from her. She runs a really good business. She'll have it shipped to you to wherever you are in the United States. So hop on to her Facebook page. It's called Southern Comfort and More. Or um, I guess they could just get with you on on true crime broads yeah, as well and then you pay, can yeah they could just message me yeah. however well thank you for saying that of course yeah, I, I just thought gifts. you know we really don't have a lot of sponsors we've yeah. got a few we've got a few commercials which we greatly appreciate but we don't have any like sponsors that have come to us or that we've retrieved out in the world so i thought why wouldn't we just promote your business it's amazing so yeah. that would really help renee out she's a small business owner and shop small you know hashtag yeah. shop small right and with christmas coming up and hanukkah um new year's there's all kinds of reasons that you should fill your home and warm your home up with these amazing blankets. So right. go, go check out her well, listings. Thank you for saying that. Oh, yeah. She's got really cool pictures on Southern Comfort and more Facebook page. Yeah, you so. can find it on my profile. And also, while we're talking about that, I'll go ahead and tell everybody about Crystal. She's an amazing <laughs> real estate agent. <laughs> she's laughing, but she I've never seen anybody work so hard for her her clients oh, in my life. So, nice. so I wasn't you, expecting you to say anything yeah. about me. <laughs> I was just jumping on here to talk about you. Yeah, That's so you. nice. Well, thank if you. you anybody is in the market, please contact her because she does an amazing job. She's helped me uh, many times on just, just looking at places, rentals, whatever. So yeah, check her out. Call her up if you need her because so nice. she's going to be there for you. Well, that's awesome. And don't forget Southern Comfort and More. Renee will take good care of you. You can also Zell her or Venmo her. It's super easy. And yeah. then she'll ship immediately. She ships so fast. Yeah. Thank All you right. so much. You guys have a great day.
Yeah.